ladies and gentlemen, the volume inside of this bus is astronomical. It is way... Welcome to our one-year anniversary of our first TikTok deep dive. In the interest of exposing myself and my niche interests, as TikTok does so well, I wanted to start with some spoken word about what this obscure app has meant to me over the course of the past hellish 12 months. So if you don't mind, um, I'll begin by saying, I, I recall last year I had some fear uh, that we needed to have a talk. No, not a chat, but TikTok the app when I told you to run there, not walk. I'm not Gen Z, nor hyperbolizing. Social media was feeling so hollow. But green screens, duets, blinding lights, Noah Beck? Call me Rory, where you lead I'll follow. At first, all the rage of early TikTok days was the beigeiest beige hype house. A carpeted bathroom, kids ditching the classroom, and tongues hanging out of their mouth. We had roof deck clearings and George Michael earrings and Sean Hunter haircuts to boot. We cropped to the top, half shirts nonstop, started buttoning our jeans through the loops. We heard Doja Cat as they threw it back, did the woe and the renegade too. But I beg your pardon, it's Jeliah Harmon, not the hype house where credit is due. Last year, Charlie's making a killing at just 20 million. She's now got eight zeros to her name. We search for the answers why a 15-year-old dancer would skyrocket to overnight fame. And Addison was a ray of sunshine each day, dropped out of LSU to find her new footing. We still remember the age when a ceiling fan was her stage. Now she keeps up with Courtney's green pudding. I'd be leaving a hole, leaving out Sherry Nicole, the token cringy mom of these teens. She dances to Savage, Classy Bougie, and Ratchet, leaving me as distressed as her jeans. The Lopez bros may be dead to me, but not Avani, and for Lil Huddy, I can make room. Like a 21st century vampire, I never tire of the Wright brothers taking flight too. In this app of remixing, we also have Dixie. Rule number one, she's a boss-ass bitch. Got with his best friend, made him a yes-man, dropped receipts for cheaters like Griff. And throughout the pandemic storm, TikTok kept me warm. The random trends just going on and on... In your head, what pays rent? In your home, what makes sense? No, I didn't know I needed that off of Amazon. Couples pranking each other. Is that your boyfriend or brother? I soaked strawberries to find tiny bugs. This kid planted pumpkins. Charlie collabed with Duncan. My ears bled when I heard savage love. You see, TikTok is kind of like a clock. If a clock made you ignore your spouse. I mean, pardon me, but I'm kind of busy. This girl traded a bobby pin for a house. So I guess I sold my soul to the deepest of scrolls, swore I'd soon be an attentive wife, till a girl with a voice changer said I'm in danger if I don't start romanticizing my life. I want to see him do his dance in his thousand dollar pants. I can't miss a shuffle stair stepper, a renovated van, a time warp scan. Did that tortoise just eat a bell pepper? Cranberry juice sweeps the nation. A girl gets off her braces. Have you had a uh, coffee that's aggressively whipped? Shoe flip, outfit, transition? Are we switching positions? I can't talk right now. I'm doing hot girl shit. Want to ruin your night? Look up and it went like. Or scroll through an NYC gal's daily vlogs. Obsess over how I'm poor and a 22-year-old can afford it. Then listen to that song about NASA's tampons. And wasn't it great when that girl brought back roller skates? How we learned Gen Z was so empathetic? Or when Gordon Ramsay hates how you make a steak? 
you could call it a medium rare aesthetic. As COVID-19 raged on, I felt sudden calm because of a lot of doctors and nurses pointed at words. Of course, I'm just kidding. On my ass, I'm sitting. Frontline workers, we do not deserve. When I got sick of Zoom, I put my phone on a Roomba, saying Taylor Swift's love story from above. And I just can't help every time I melt when best friends are struck by electric love. Remember when Carol Baskin killed her husband whacked him and we all cried it's the blank for me nobody bother me outfit change bippity boppity did gen z just find hank green there's foundation dripping down a girl's neck my best friend's rich check put a finger down if you ain't ever seen two pretty best friends we handshake in the hamptons see shanties or chanting i miss when we all tap tapped in i guess it's nice to know you're not far from achieving stardom if you can scrunch your nose, cross your eyes. As long as Bella Porch is holding the torch, just call me M to the B there in five. Whether I was bored in the house board, or watching Bridgerton musical be scored, or you were telling me something without telling me. It won't be soon, I forget the tune of I praise you, oh Ratatouille. We all know you can't say... That the good old days happened on a for you page, watching husband prank staged. But in a year that was tragic, TikTok brought moments of magic. Like literally, because I'm 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 stuck on witch talk. Okay. <laughs> so in conclusion, <laughs> as I run out the clock, whether you're Roddy Rich in the box or that spooky sound, I am lost. Even when TikTok says you have to stop, don't let it get to your dice roll walk. The reason I love to talk about the talk is that unlike a lot of industries that keep things on lock, TikTok opens the door as long as you knock. So never stop, because from the top, make it drop. Maybe grab a bucket and a mop. Thanks for coming to my rhyming talk. But above all else, don't let this flop. <laughs> I'm in the proud girl, you a cow girl. Need a hairstyle, I'm like, wow, girl. I'm upside down. Ooh, ooh. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. I am an entrepreneur, an author, a pop culture commentator, a podcast host. And, um, you know, little did you know, this whole time be there in five meant I actually was on a long term quest to alienate my audience within the first five minutes, like I just successfully did with that creative risk. You know, I was talking about as a follow up to the episode I did last January, we need to talk. It's been one year. I did a deep dive that I remember at the time, a lot of people were like, eh, I don't really want to talk about TikTok. It was kind of an attitude of it being like Vine or Musical.ly and people just weren't like interested in or believing that it was going to be a thing because it was kind of just perceived as an embarrassing uh, channel for like teenagers with like tiny rib cages. And like, that's true. But over the course of the past year, obviously it evolved into something much bigger and more important and more embedded in the zeitgeist that's perhaps largely a uh, you know, sign of the times, given that we needed a point of connection and escapism. But also my argument back then was this platform is just like addicting, but not in a way that is as soul-sucking or self-promotional as so many other mediums. It's 
not necessarily social media, it's social entertainment. And even worse, it's like innovative, despite the nucleus being repetition. And I just got really fascinated by it. And so I did this deep dive where I spent half the time like pondering the, 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 you know, decor of the beige-tastic hype house McMansion because I was so like concerned about the like wall-to-wall carpeting in the bathroom. Um, among other things, and the, uh, you know, swapping out of what I counted to be, I believe, 22 seasonally agnostic clothing items at all times amongst Charlie, Dixie, Daisy, uh, Addison, sometimes Cover. Uh, I, I made a PowerPoint about it. I, I found this whole scenario to be fascinating. It was like the freaking Mickey Mouse Club of Gen Z. And obviously, we are in a totally different place, not only with the app, with the hype house, with the stars of it. And I like want to talk about it all just almost in like a really fun, gossipy way that like I just want I if you like TikTok, it's just fun to talk about it because you're almost like lost in these weird worlds and subcultures within your for you page. And these like trends become sensory for the times when you were absorbed them. And like I feel nostalgic talking about like old uh hype house like doja cat say so era you know like it seems like a long time ago it seems like a more hopeful time when we weren't aware of how bad the 2020 would be and um i don't know it's it's uh it's really fun to reflect upon the past year of tiktok i feel like since i did the first deep dive way more of you were interested in it and if even if not you at least will watch instagram uh because a lot of people share tiktoks on there on stories and on reels um, but even if you're not like that diehard, hopefully you'll stick around because we can still have fun talking about it in that poem probably made no sense to you. And back to that poem. So when I started talking about like oh, some of the, my favorite things about TikTok, it, I had made a list of all these things I like trends I remembered in moments in time. And I'd asked you on Instagram too, like, what were some of your favorite for you page memories or like mini worlds you found yourself in on TikTok and when I was reading this list, like I have this problem, maybe problems the wrong way to frame it. But um, I, th- I think in a cadence that's rhymy and like, I swear, I, I process thoughts in this like pattern of AAB, CCB, and it's a very like unappealing rhyme scheme that's kind of hard to follow. But anyways, I've the, the only other time I think I did, I think I've read from excerpts of like failed children's books and read my published children's book twinkle twinkle social media star which is fully rhyming but other than that i don't think i've done a full poem since megan markle's like royal wedding which was three years ago and i know it's been you know poetry is an insufferable habit i've been made aware of that most of my life um but it's like once in three years isn't bad uh but yeah it's just i actually like i decided to just go for it because it's kind of like embarrassing and stupid and cringy but like that is the essence the spirit of TikTok is like, that's what's so great about the internet sometimes is if you want to look at the bright side of the silver lining, you can really indulge in how your interests, hobbies, your niche, uh, your gifts that you can't really place anywhere else. I mean, oftentimes online, there's somewhere for them to thrive. And I think what's really special about TikTok is it kind of um, nurtures the obscure talent and even though the you know podcast isn't you know this is not the exact same i just thought you know what who cares this is coming to me in a rhyming pattern so i'll just introduce my thoughts in that way so uh thank you for your patience while i 
use this platform for my joys oh. I don't know how to place is on it there there are no more useless talents in this world than rhyming let me tell you I'm eating cheese tugboat isn't happy I, honestly like I am in physical pain most of the day of how much I love this dog he's so annoying but he's so cute and I just like sometimes don't know where like what to do with it you know what I mean like it's that feeling where you love something so much it's like hard to enjoy it anyways I don't need to get into that right now but like I'm looking at him and he's just so sweet top coat uh so anyway you guys yeah TikTok. I mean I don't even know where to begin because like this past year was a nightmare and the days were long and my attention span was short and like I knew last January the app would be important but I perhaps didn't really understand how important um because I think like amidst quarantine we'd just been instagramming and twitter and and facebook and the like for like so long and i think more than ever we needed something new and it honestly reminded me of how energized i felt about like pinterest in in 2010 which i talk about all the time still and yeah it was kind of the same thing like a, a basic moth to a diptyque candle flame i i clung to tiktok to escape through some of the darker days of 2020 and you'll often hear me refer to it as the sunny corner of the internet and it has its bad, bad downsides, of course. Um, and I could argue that we are close, if not already at the stage of, of self-promo territory that robs the app of its initial, for lack of a better word, purity. Um, but I still find, by and large, like I said, TikTok social entertainment and a sea of social media. It's self-promotional, sure, but it's so high effort. It kind of weeds out a lot of the vapid content where the self-promo feels more like the exception to me than other mediums. And I think like even when something on the surface is like kind of silly, like a dance or a home tour or modern day Gallagher attempting to rubber band explode a watermelon, like something about it is just it's just endearing, even if thirsty. And uh, I just kind of as a person that's kind of detailed and high effort, like I just feel like in the era where people were, um, you know, chastising you for being extra and everything was very zero Fs, I'm grateful to feel like we're, you know, tilting in the direction of like caring about stuff is cool, putting effort into stuff is cool, having niche hobbies and interests that nobody else really understands but respects anyways is cool. I, I am here for the era of... I can't talk right now. I'm doing hot girl shit. And whatever it is that's important to you is hot girl shit. Because that's what gives you confidence. And that's what makes you different, right? Um, and I think on today's episode, like, I'm honestly, like, sometimes the way that I talk, it sounds like I'm building up to a point or just doing a really long intro. But this is a long form show. I do that on purpose. My goal is like, isn't really to deliver succinct news so much as I want to keep people company in the way that podcasts keep me company because I work by myself. And while it's unusual to talk to yourself for long periods of time, uh, this is a subject that I will have no trouble uh, doing that because I think that like, I don't know, I, it's going to be hard to structure. So just like bear with me as we bob and weave. Maybe I'll start first with like kind of the people because I focused a lot on them, the first deep dive, and then we'll get into some like the fun niche worlds, the ups and downs of the year and where I see it going in the future. Does that sound good? I'm pivoting into an advertiser shortly, but uh, it is HelloFresh. But as I was saying hello, I was tempted to say hello like Adele. And did you guys hear the rumors that she's dropping an album? Like, very soon. I don't want to spread rumors that aren't going to happen. But, like, w 
like we need that in this time in this life and i i just i cannot wait uh but yes hello from the other side and hello fresh um, thank you to HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. With HelloFresh, you get free pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip those trips to the grocery store, which for me is huge since I don't have a car and I carry my groceries everywhere. It makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. For me, it's not having to meal plan and do all the grocery store trips so I can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table pretty quickly. The average person for HelloFresh just takes like 30 minutes or less, and the recipes are super approachable. Uh, whether you're a skilled chef or not, they taste like you have a much higher skill level, which is the best part. Uh, HelloFresh offers 23-plus recipes each week featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you'll never get bored. Greg and I's recent favorite is this bavette steak one I made with the green beans and creamy potatoes and this mushroom. So, I mean, it was to die. I am looking at menus with bated breath to get it again. Uh, I love the pork gouda burger. I mean, I love so many recipes and you will too. There's a really great variety week to week and you can pause anytime. If you want to try uh, HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash 10 be there in five and use code 10 be there in five for 10 free meals, including free shipping. So that's one zero be there in five. But five is spelled F-I-V-E like the show, but 10 is the number. I know that's confusing. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 10 be there in five and use code 10 be there in five for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That'll be in the show notes. But seriously, give it a try, especially now that we're in the dead of winter, like something to look forward to. I never know if I should do these back to back, but alas, so, so far, this is my ritual. Uh, and coincidentally, today's other advertiser is indeed ritual you guys know i love this company i've talked about them quite a bit and they hooked me because they posed the question do you really know what's in your multivitamin apparently sugars gmos synthetic fillers artificial colorants not to mention animal byproducts like sheep's wool and gelatin from hooves and hides but ritual is not your typical multivitamin it is clean vegan friendly the formula is made with key nutrients uh, and forms your body can actually use without shady extras. I've been taking it for a while now. I take the women's multivitamin. I'm obsessed with the minty aftertaste. It does not make my stomach hurt. It's the bottle's transparent. The pills are transparent. And their entire supply chain like philosophy is uh, full transparency. They make it traceable and you'll always know where your nutrients come from thanks to their one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. And depending on your needs, your life phase, they've got you covered. They have products available for women, men, teens. Uh, they have a best-selling prenatal vitamin, and they're delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime, and if you don't love Ritual, within your first month, they'll refund your first order. Anyway, you deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during their first three months. Visit ritual.com slash be there in five to start your Ritual today. That is ritual.com slash be there in five for 10% off during your first three months. Those are in the show notes, and remember, the best way to support your you know, local podcaster is to, you know, download the episodes, review them and to use these codes for advertisers because that's how they renew and we monetize uh, our craft, if you will, to take myself way too seriously. Um, okay, back to TikTok. As we talked about, just to reiterate the kind of background here. So a Chinese tech company called ByteDance acquired Musical.ly in late 2017. And Musical.ly was much younger skewing, in my opinion. It was uh, an app that was like young kids lip syncing songs. And it was a, it was like, the, the, that's I think where uh, TikTok got its initial like label of, of cringe-tastic. Um, and then 
when ByteDance merged with Musical.ly, they rebranded it in the United States called TikTok, I believe, in 2018 um, to kind of, I think, step away from the predisposition that Musical.ly is for, like, kids and is uncomfortable to watch. And um, the kind of bread and butter that the core competency or i don't know the, the thing that makes tiktok incredibly special and valuable and the thing that they will not give up to any company that they collaborate with in the u.s is their intellectual property which is their algorithm that is what dictates what you see on what's called the fyp or the for you page Unlike Instagram that kind of has your main feed of who you follow and now it's split up by like reels and shopping and Lord knows what else. And then the stories are at the top. The way TikTok set up is there's one column for following and one column that's a for you page. Uh, on Instagram, like I hardly ever venture over to discover. I just like never do. Um, but TikTok, I almost exclusively am on their version of the discover page, the for you page. It's a central to the app in its entire entirety and it's personalized to the user in a way that's so sophisticated i can't even it's it's spooky there's a lot of spookiness with the whole data privacy issue and being a chinese app it's owned by a communist nation there's been a lot of concerns and ups and downs as it relates to the you know data residency the data sovereignty what they have access to uh the importance of insurance the government ensuring that the chinese government did not have access to um, the biometric data and the location-based data of like individuals with military intelligence, for example. I mean, as I understand it, a big differentiator of the United States versus China, obviously, besides it being a communist nation, is part of that is government access to the private sector. And if they wanted visibility into ByteDance's data, theoretically, they could have it. And that's a problem when an app is collecting so much data about its users. My argument has always been like, it's not to like be, impede on the privacy of the individual as in terms of your identity. Having worked at a data company, it's kind of about the aggregate of birds of a feather and almost segmentation of like demographics and behaviors just to essentially... Uh, increase the value of the ad space that the app has due to its targetability, right? Uh, no, I, I just, I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions, but by and large, nobody cares about data at the respondent individualized level. It's all about, you know, the behaviors that enable uh, an app, a publisher, a website, whatever it is to group you into a findable demographic that makes you likely to buy a product. Uh, but that aside, I think there there was obviously so many ups and downs with TikTok as while we're covering the boring stuff over the past year of being threatened to be banned several times. In retrospect, while I do think there were legitimate privacy concerns and the last ruling on December maybe 5th or 7th was the judge ruled uh, in favor of ByteDance uh, halting the ban. Uh, what I was going to say is in retrospect, while I, I think it, there are legitimate privacy concerns that are fair, I do think the way it was handled in retrospect, see, it was more of a power move by Trump after being pissed off that, you know, allegedly a bunch of K-pop fans kind of leveraged the power of their fandom to 
uh, flood registration signups for this Tulsa rally and then, you know, nobody showed up. I talked about that in the episode, the Gen Zequel. And um, I think following that, he was like on a mission pre-election to be like, if you guys don't behave and if you still keep picking on me, like I can take this away. And I know that's a highly uninformed, non-journalistic uh, perspective, but I I don't know. It kind of the interest in halting it was so urgent at a point and then it completely dropped off and um i think that i, I don't know what's going to happen now that we're under a new administration if it, and if it, if it's as big of a concern but that was like just so silly how it was imminent it's like several times and then it was almost cry wolf that nobody really thought it was going to get taken down i never thought it would be permanently banned um that that process actually in the app store and beyond is like incredibly it's more complicated than just like it's gone or it's not and at first it would have to be people who who hadn't already downloaded the app uh and then it was going to have like a 90 day period i think ending november 12th none of it ever happened i don't know you guys not important i mean it is important but i also now i don't know if it was just like puppeteering of uh, control or if it really was a legitimate uh, U.S. intelligence and privacy concern. A lot of the details weren't released, obviously. And at first, it looked like Microsoft was going to bid on it, on the, you know, the U.S. operation. But then it came out that like Oracle and Walmart were going to be participating in this sort of like partnership collaboration that wasn't an acquisition. As I mentioned, the core thing being they wouldn't give up the algorithm to, for their For You page, at least specifically to Microsoft. But I get that because when you have a consumer, when your intellectual property is a consumer facing algorithm and you are working with a company that also makes consumer facing products, that Intel is obviously going to be valuable in how they build out products going forward and a company like an Oracle uh, that is more back end, I think is was a safer bet for them. But I don't even know where that deal stands. So anyway, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, they'll be smooth sailing from here. I, I again, I don't want to downplay this, the, you know, the legitimate issues with privacy and potential access to intelligence. But I just, I just like to remind people <laughs> that they download weird apps from the internet all the time. And like, how often are you looking into their parent ownership and what country? That is it, you know, and not saying it's not dangerous. I'm just saying that TikTok is um, kind of disproportionately targeted uh, and overthought relative to, I'm sure, people's data is compromised in a similar way in many other areas that we're just not aware of. And I think it's just a broader conversation about the importance of what type of information is click wrapped when you download something and hit agree so quickly because you want to use it. Right. But what I think is tricky about the for you page is sometimes I watch things well, it's like it knows me and it doesn't. I like being introduced to, into new bizarre subcultures. I think a really interesting area that thrives on TikTok is like the service industry or kind of jobs that wouldn't be, I don't know, normally uh, we wouldn't have a line of sight into otherwise or wouldn't be like glamorized enough to get people's interest in another medium because you would assume there needs to be something really like niche or aspirational about a job to be engaging um, but sometimes it's the more commonplace stuff that's the most fascinating like I don't necessarily aspire to like trim hedges but like I live to watch somebody cleanly trim a hedge or power wash like pool cleaning TikTok's really fascinating I follow this housekeeper that her name's Vanessa Amaro. She um, 
is uh, so fascinating. She walks you through like her the way she cleans houses and all like the nooks and crannies and things people forget about and what you should ask for and how to be a good client. I'm like, this is fascinating. Um, I, I th- there's a guy that like has I think four or five million followers now that just has been documenting as days uh, making ice cream and like ice cream cakes at cold stone like that's awesome that you can kind of give people visibility into your job and kind of create this hybrid workfluencer model um i guess it depends if people stay in their original jobs or not because now i'm sure the influencer piece will pay more and you know i get worried about the sustainability and longevity of influencer careers it's i don't know how you like i think about this with the demilios and i'll get into that it's like you gotta capitalize strike all the irons hot but at a point you go too long where you're, you know, you don't work toward an education or relevant skills to a more long term career or can people realistically keep the public's interest? But it's so there's no blueprint or t- common trajectory for an influencer because it's new. And then I think about elderly influencers and I'm like, gosh, it's going to be so interesting when we're old. We're going to have people like swiping up for Metamucil or whatever <laughs> when we're in a retirement home. Um but I, I also, uh, I don't know. I just find myself in interesting places. Like one day I'll be um, on a Viking talk. Like I, <laughs> straight up, you know, men that are ginormous, like 6'5 and above, tons of tattoos. They live in Scandinavia. They, are, they know how to French braid. They appear to live in what seems to be some sort of cave. They chop wood. They mull wine. And it's like, wow, I, I didn't know I had such a blind spot as it relates to Norse pagan rituals. But here we are. I The next day I will find myself on ceramics TikTok and not like color me mine, kill in time, go with your girlfriends and, you know, paint a bowl ceramics, but like a shirtless 22-year-old male that somehow is wildly skilled at, you know, crafting a vase or an urn. It's like, honestly, there should be a type of color me mine that's for bachelorette parties that is byob but it's like model magic mike it's like a dude shirtless dude with clay because it is wildly attractive and i'm like how do you i'm i'm fascinated because in my uh, version of life i just i didn't know many like young attractive athletic built males that were pursuing such niche arts in that way and i think i'm very drawn to that being made cool by tiktok i i I love when people pursue unique hobbies and interests and unapologetically showcase them on tiktok i mean you don't obviously need to be attractive but you guys know what i'm saying um i mean like i'm unsurprisingly on like anti-purity culture tiktok ex-mormon tiktok but then i'll also be on like earnest uh youth pastor talk it sneaks up on me. And while it's not aligned with my interest being pro their views, TikTok almost picks up on my uh, disinterest in that it will both feed me my friendly and disdainful follows. You know what I mean? I'm trying to not say hate follow. I need a better term. But um, it's kind of an interesting thing where I, I, you can screw yourself over on TikTok by watching things that you are kind of hate watching or it's kind of like conspiracy talk or QAnon type stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, it's it's so mind numbing and frustrating. But then you get served more of it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to contribute to this. So that's where it gets a little confusing for me. But I mean, I, I'll, I'll keep talking about my random talk worlds throughout. But like recently I found myself on I guess I would describe it as like les like lesbian laundry folding tiktok it's truly a peaceful space and i can't recommend it enough and the woman's name is melissa i think pateras 
And she cracks me up and is, I don't know, just it's like remodeled her whole home and knows how to fold everything. And I just, I dream of being a person who has a peaceful, dulcet tone, a, you know, unchaotic way about them and whose home is meticulously ready for any time a guest wants to pop by. But I need like four to six hours of notice as it stands now. I don't even have children. But let's go back to kind of where what I focused on last year, the Hype House people and whatnot, because I think that it's really drastically changed. So when it first started, it was Alex Petro, that guy that basically was part of Team 10, the Paul Boys vlog squad type. Like, I'm a millennial that didn't understand David Dobrik till like mid 2020. And I do find him charming as hell. And I wish he would give me a Tesla. But I, I or like Emma Chamberlain, these kind of gen more skewing Gen Z or maybe zillennial stars and YouTubers being followed like I follow bloggers, I think is a little younger than me. But content houses were very much a thing in the YouTube sphere that I wasn't aware of. That was part of my fascination last year. But when this Alex guy broke off um, and started the Hype House, as we know, with Daisy Keach and Alex Warren and Cover uh, and Chase Hudson, there was a controversy, too, that they allegedly all paid a similar amount. But Daisy, Alex and Chase put up the most. And then when the New York Times went to interview the Hype House. Daisy was completely left off as a co-founder and Alex and Chase were given all the credit, which I I was like, wow, that is so insanely frustrating. And I backed Daisy all the way in that. And then she went to go start. Is it was it did she start Clubhouse and then left and now she just kind of TikToks with her boyfriend and TikTok's not really her core thing, but she was a big part of the original Hype House and they basically the idea of a content house is to cross pollinate everyone's individual uh, following and gain incremental audience based off of being in videos together and we're uh, you know capturing anything that is incremental to the overlap of your audiences, right? And increasing engagement of your overlap. It's a smart idea. The Hype House was effective. It's funny how I will maintain interest in the same people, but there's certain people I still just have never really dove into or engaged with their content as much. Like Alex and Cover are cute sometimes, but they kind of, their, post, their videos are a lot about going to Target. Um, and like, I wasn't loving that Alex smashed Cover's old Camry with a G-Wagon to gift it to her. It's just it's just wasteful. I, I know better than to think that Camry's a total dot. I mean those things those things are tanks. They last for for years. Um I feel like talking names isn't helpful because these people are so hard to keep track of. But I'd say the places I've kind of kept tabs on as it r- relates to content houses are kind of the hype house. More so just following the original members, the D'Amelios um, and Addison and some kind of little huddy sometimes. Um, then there was a group of girls that formed not a content house and Charlie D'Amelio's close friend, Maddie Monroe, daughter of a professional baseball player um, and like Cynthia Parker, who just turned 16 and the majority of like the 2020, she was 15. And truly, when I tell you that I would have guessed that she was in like almost 30 and that's not an insult to like her looking old rather the way she like dances so maturely uh and dresses and like contours and like the whole thing it's just like it's it's so it's so so much older than her i would i my mind will look up cynthia parker my mind will forever be blown that she just turned 16 um she dates 
and it's kind of like the people it's it's like the following of the couples right so and then also in nana content houses like this girl named lauren kettering that kind of got on the map for the uh doing that take him to the crib then a push him on the sofa like thing with jack Wright. people thought they were dating and i oh and i forgot yeah the Wright brothers are i think part of the original hype house again i don't know if they're still there i was so proud when there are these two brothers that dance really bouncily and jack went from like I would have given kind of like a guy friend you'd like punch in the arm, give a nogi to, not that I've ever done that in my life, uh, to like a grown man with the with the simple haircut. Um, his brother, I think, got into Stanford to run track. He recently came out as bisexual. And he's just very proud of him. Uh, James, James Wright. Um, and Jack is dating this girl named Sienna May, and I appreciate her for um promoting a positive body image but she's still very young and like there's the, their pda is so intense i feel uncomfortable watching it if i'm honest same with this girl named like zoe fish and her boyfriend they're very pda but they're all over my for you page um yeah so hype house not a content house and hype house do i yeah the i also think avani is is sweet and now hype house is really moved has moved more into I think, but again, I'm not, they live in a different house, but I don't know if it's considered a content house. Um, but like Taylor Holder and his girlfriend, Charlie Jordan, who is so beautiful and uh, is a former Mormon, I believe. And they're, they seem like a pretty cute couple, but I do think she recently lip synced the N word, which is just a really annoying thing that people continue to do. And it's like, oh my God, stop. I even hate, I don't know. I, there's so much of that. I hate where the, like putting your finger over your mouth or like how many, uh, dances incorporate the word. It's just like, it, 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 it gets under my skin. Um, and people continue to mess up and it's like, oh my God, this is not hard. Anna Brown. That's also the crew with like Kellyanne Stankus and Olivia. I uh, forget her name. She used to date Keo from Sway House. I mean, there's a whole thing. And then the Sway House boys are like uh, Bryce Hall. And the Sway House has since broken up, I believe. But um, Bryce Hall, who dates Addison now, they took a break when she was mostly hanging out with Courtney and like eating pudding. I have a theory that Addison was so endearing and popular when it was just her dancing in her family's wall-to-wall -wall carpet rental in LA, uh, you know, with a ceiling fan as her backdrop. Uh, and it was fun when she was with the Hype House and she was just so smiley and sweet and like a kid that dropped out of LLC to follow a dream. And I don't know, just like there was an uh, endearing uh, normal girl asked attribute about her. But then all of a sudden her life like drastically changes and she's working out with Courtney every day and you know she's cast and she's all that and she's skyrocketing to stardom and inevitably i think there's a disengagement from fans at you know at a point um and some not great tweets as always were surfaced about her in the summer and she kind of went dark for a bit but lately it's just only content with bryce and i'm it's funny not that it's you know everything is strategic or driven by uh pr but i i also wonder if like Sometimes I wonder if they ever they actually ever broke up and he and the other Sway Boys were just getting such bad press, making such reckless decisions, having huge parties without masks in a pandemic like they're the literal worst um, in, you know, in response to uh, like at the mayor of L.A. was turning out the lights of places that weren't complying with the gathering rules and 
in response, Bryce, like a punk, just releases merch that says lights out. It's like, ugh, I, I, I'm not a fan of his. I'm not really a fan of any of the Sway Boys, except I've recently <laughs> turned around on Noah Beck. Noah Beck is a, you know, sweet, thick-necked boy that... Uh, as of May was like commenting on Charlie's videos and was like a normal kid that people kind of made a lot of fun of because uh, he lied about getting soccer scholarships or something. But then he kind of infiltrated his way into the group somehow. And now he's been dating Dixie for like three or four months, which after following her experience with Griffin Johnson, another guy in the Sway House who apparently was a total jerk to her, cheated on her. And she dropped the receipts, as I said in my poem, there was kind of this ongoing joke about her kind of living out the rule number one, rule number two <laughs> part of Nicki Minaj's song because uh, Noah Beck was good friends with Griffin Johnson. Um, that was exciting when she dropped receipts. And, and honestly, I was proud of her. Um, the Then there's people that like I just don't really follow, but like I'm aware of. But for some reason, they've never captured my attention. Like Blake Gray, his girlfriend, Amelia is beautiful. Um, like I said, Quentin is uh, Cynthia's maybe former boyfriend, but I think they recently deleted each other's posts and unfollowed. I'm so embarrassed. I know this. I don't really keep tabs on Ivani's boyfriend, Anthony. Um, I don't know where all these people stand and if they're still members. Like, I don't really follow Jaden and Mads. I know they're part of it. Uh, like I said, Josh Richards. I, I just am. I'm like, apparently. So Josh Richards co-hosts a podcast with Dave Portnoy, who is honestly smart to get one of these really popular kids onto Barstool, probably knowing that, I don't know, a young male who isn't famous enough yet to be totally jaded would feel really cool being appointed to host on a, you know, male-centric network like Barstool. And uh, Dave really kind of, I think, sees a lot of the relationship stuff and the gossip is, you know, fodder for clickbait and uh, to the detriment of these friendships, I think, because... Uh, the way Josh said something about Bryce Hall, like literally broke up the Sway House, apparently. Uh, but I don't really understand what went down fully. I just it's just brilliant of Dave to align himself with one of these kids because um, he's he has like no shame. He's going to ask these questions that are going to put him in an uncomfortable position that Josh is going to have to respond to and like get himself in trouble. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's been interesting to watch go down. And I kind of wish I would get that podcast off my for you page but it's not to say it's not smart so that's kind of this way the sway house dudes which i think are the more popular like guys on straight tiktok if you will there's all sorts of other ways people brand their uh, feeds of like elite tiktok alt tiktok straight tiktok i assume i'm on straight tiktok because it's outside of the lesbian laundry uh sector that i really enjoy it's i, I actually i was gonna say I've always gotten a lot of the dances, but in the past month or two, I almost get none, which is kind of interesting. So maybe it's taken a turn. Who knows? Uh, but I think that beyond the breakdown of who's in what house and why, it's a little confusing and hard to follow. I mean, these kids are so young and they all get aligned with like managers and agents, many that give them highly unfavorable contracts. And I think it's I, I, it's a little unnerving that everybody's foregoing their collegiate plans to pursue influence are done, but like, I also get it uh, not only from a opportunity standpoint, but from a security standpoint, if you do get to a level of fame, 
uh, it's what Dixie D'Amelio, she was uh, up until the very end saying she was going to go to Bama, but like she can't go to Alabama. She had to go into like Kappa Kappa Gamma recruitment. Like she's just, she's way too famous. And Eve, as annoying as it is to probably hear that about somebody like her, it's it's true. There's a level of awareness of her and Charlie that is so incredibly high. Um, it's it's kind of unbelievable. Uh, but back to the D'Amelio. So, yeah, they Charlie was a big reason why the High Palace was like what it was and Addison, too, I'd argue. Charlie and Dixie, for business reasons, kind of separated. I'm sure Mark knew better than to affiliate them. And the, the, their income potential, I think, just got to a different level. Their fame got to a different level. They probably didn't want to formally align, um, even though the initial, initial intent of the Hype House, Hype House wasn't to take a cut of revenue. Um and we learned that the money was really mismanaged when Daisy came out and said she wasn't given proper co-founder credits, but whatever. So we get into quarantine, and I think this is a really interesting thing, too, is the peak of these the, these this, the kids' fame, many of them, was during a pandemic. And, like, Charlie and Dixie were in Connecticut for months. Uh, and there was something so charming to me about that, too, whereas the kids in L.A., were getting themselves into trouble. I kind of really enjoyed ha people having to be with their parents in their childhood homes and kind of figure it out and still be entertaining because so, we saw the product of cross-pollination, but then it was kind of like up to the creators on their own. And Charlie and Dixie just continued to absolutely soar. So when I did last year's podcast, Charlie D'Amelio was, uh, was 15. Was she 15 or six? Yeah, she was 15. And she was at 20 million followers and Dixie was under 10. Um, now Charlie's, I think, at like 10, maybe 107. Ah, just open TikTok and it's a Serave ad with Charlie. <laughs> I am dying to know how much money she's made this year. So Charlie has 107.2 and Dixie has 48.4 million. I mean, that's pretty wild. Uh, Dixie also had a singing career. Like she low key can sing pretty well. And she had a song, be happy. That was pretty popular. I never really got into roommates. And then there was another one people dragged. That was, um, about what was that? It was like, oh, one day. Oh, I was sad. I was one day. I was really, 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 really sad. I mean, lyrically it was abysmal, but honestly, like again, strike while the iron's hot. I don't care. I listened to somehow managed to get myself through an entire Gary V uh, podcast episode with Heidi and Mark D'Amelio that was, I think, recorded in early summer. And Mark was like, I, all I want is for the girls to just uh, have opportunities and have options. And so we're playing it by ear. And I think that it's one of those things where at a point you get to a level of popularity where I, I'm like, what is the point of saturation? What is the point of wear out? You're in every single category you've you know you're in every social media you're you start a podcast and you're like 16 and 17 18 i would not want my thoughts and feelings and ways i articulated my problems immortalized digitally at that age but okay uh charlie like wrote a half like a very half-assed wrote a book that i don't think she wrote honestly because she barely promoted it it came out and i just feel like she i, I don't know i didn't feel like there was a lot of, um, for lack of a better word, hype or push behind the book or really enthusiasm on her part. It kind of, the the way that they're striking every um, industry, every channel feels very Hannah Montana, Jojo Siwa, mass merchandising instead of 
a more personalized, curated focus on skills and gifts and value they can add. And not that they need to do that, but I, I do think that it's a little bit different because, you know, the Miley Hannah Montana is a character. Jojo Siwa is kind of a caricature of herself. Charlie's a normal human person and her personality and her way is not going to work in every single medium, yet they cast a wide net, understandably, to capitalize on her popularity, but it's just not going to land everywhere. And her and Dixie aren't particularly strong in their communication and talking and podcasting, I don't think, but it does better than mine. So who the hell cares? Um I just don't know if like they always seem so low energy. I'm like, do you want to be doing this? Uh, or are you just kind of at that phase of teenager dumb where you don't it's cool to seem like you don't care or you're unaffected. Right. Um, I think that they I mean the brand deals have been unbelievable. Charlie's Duncan deal did incredibly well. I laugh at myself because I was like, oh, my God, I'm shocked. This is the Charlie is a delicious beverage. But like, obviously, a 16 year old's preferred coffee drink is going to be delicious. It was sugar and milk. <laughs> like caramel i loved it uh they have had like a nail polish line they did two rounds of a partnership with morphe they have a line of ring lights um charlie is doing constant uh partnerships and charity stuff which is cool and i i thought she did a um an impressive job keeping up with and standing up for different causes throughout the year before she made that Bahamas trip in December, which was disappointing, she at least was aligned and in support of um, Black Lives Matter. She encouraged people to vote, even though she can't vote. She uh, encouraged social distancing. She actually stayed at her parents' home. Like she doesn't really ever record with anyone else, which is inter an interesting thing that's kind of new too. She used to be, be with friends, but now she pretty much dances very sparingly by herself. Uh, at her house and it's interesting when she first started out she was very crop toppy um, but now she's always completely covered and she's spoken out about her struggles with body image and just I, I'm I just feel like her and I, a lot of young women on the app it's like I, I just don't see how the feedback loop wouldn't be so toxic like you look, look through the comments and I mean granted I know I'm a grown woman talking about these people um and I know I obsess over long torsos and small rib cages because like I, I, my rib meets my hip and I just have never had a torso. And so I obsess over people that can wear crop tops and the like. Um, but like th what I mean is the toxicity and problem of, of body shaming that exists from like grown ass people and young kids like Charlie D'Amelio. I mean, her and Addison and Dixie, Ivani. <clears throat> I mean, a lot of the popular young women on the app have just talked about the detriment of uh body image issues that come from people commenting on them being like, you know, gaining weight, losing weight, being too flat, being whatever. It just, it's, it's, I don't understand the type of human beings that comment about people's appearance and publicly, it's just sick to me. And I just, it, especially uh, any grown man that feels like they have the right to be commenting on a young woman's body shape and not understanding the toxicity and detriment that it can cause. It's just, it's so frustrating, but it's this sad reality of the internet. And um, I, and then I worry about the for you page and the algorithm, because I remember Lizzo tweeting in March, 2020, like why are pictures of our videos of me in a bathing suit being taken down? But like, this is app is full of young women in bathing suits. And it's like our, the fear of it favoring body shape, the uh, nature of like the for you page being a, they claim it's kind of this meritocracy and that it prioritizes engagement above popularity. 
but the problematic nature of if I'm only seeing women with this exact same body type, it, you know, is that is the engagement only existing there or people only being served certain uh, body shapes and sizes to even engage with? Like there, there's a I think a lot of toxicity that we risk, especially with young people in the type of people that get core engagement that are most prevalent on their for you page. And I just don't even I can't even begin to comprehend the self-esteem issues that would have caused me at a much younger age, not because I wasn't confident, blah, blah, blah. But I just think comparison is this inevitability and you kind of have to get to know yourself and get to a place where you feel comfortable in your own skin and body. And I'm one of those per people that have never really uh, taken a lot of dance classes or uh, been honestly outside of my podcast live shows, like on stage a lot. And I just am a person that doesn't really know what to do with my limbs. And I don't have a lot of body confidence just in how I carry myself. And then you watch these girls like dancing to Captain Hook by Megan Thee Stallion. They're fierce as hell. And 15, you're just like, what? I, I, I find myself being intimidated by people half my age. And I just hope young people are able to uh, digest it for the perks and minimize the downfalls but i know that's idealistic i just don't know how i would feel about tiktok as I, if i was a parent especially like the hypersexualization the excessive pda of some couples i just i don't know it's it's kind of a weird um it's it's definitely a thing where well tiktok now is i think that they're cracking down on videos of people 16 and below it's like well you should crack down on pe videos of people 18 and below oh my god like they're literally minors but okay I just I don't have all the answers, but I do I do worry about especially young women. But I also honor and am excited about uh, how inclusive the space can be and how empathetic and open Gen Z can be to marginalized communities. I was really impressed watching the activism and education that went on um, following George Floyd's death and the protests throughout the summers. I was really interested in young people's perspective throughout the election. I think that uh, while a lot of the doctors and nurses really kind of fascinatingly mobilized during COVID and pointed at a lot of words and like symptoms and signs, <laughs> um, some of them were genuinely helpful. Some of them I'm like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this because it, it's kind of a weird thing where I want people to be able to make a personal brand if they have something of value to add. But if like, I don't know. I seeing people TikToking in an operating room. Also, there's a level of discomfort for me that I can't really place. Um, but yeah, I think that it, it has so many upsides. I mean, there was this. I think I've talked about before it, the on National Denim Day uh, survivors of of trigger warning sexual assault. Um, I just, just tap the 30 second button a couple times, but survivors of sexual assault would tell people about National De uh, Denim Day. Would which the origin? I didn't know. What is pretty interesting? It grew out of a 1998 Italian Supreme Court decision that overturned a rape conviction because the victim wore tight jeans. And when this guy like appealed the sentence, the uh, chief judge argued because the victim. Uh, wore very, very tight jeans. She had to help him remove them. And by removing the jeans, it was no longer rape, but consensual sex, which whew, I um, need to breathe in a paper bag. But obviously that's a nightmare. Obviously that's horrible. Obviously um, there's uh, importance in raising awareness of that sort of mentality that still affects victims to this day of asking for it or being too drunk or whatever garbage people want to spew to not believe women. 
because who the hell wants to find themselves in that circumstance and publicize it for the hell of it? Like, no, people have to scream from the shout from the rooftops because nobody believes them. Um, I watching young women, uh, they would like show their genes that were ripped off of them on National Denim Day and like to tell their story and show they were survivors. And, like, if it makes me upset talking about it, like, and you know, in the comments, they're just this outpouring of support and the importance of that awareness. Like, I really appreciate the you know, the meritocracy allegedly of the For You page in that sense of um, it not being necessarily about how famous or popular or how much clout the person has, but the engagement with their general message, right? But that has been used for a lot of misinformation, a lot of fake news, and a lot of conspiracy theories that ran rampant in 2020 that were immense problems, like the Wayfair alleged child trafficking accusation that I talked about it uh, at length in on the podcast, uh, you know, conspiracies, mysteries type, like kind of these internet sleuths, they also thrive on TikTok and they come up on my For You page all the time. And I'm always torn because I want to know what these people think and what they're communicating, but I don't want my For You page to attach onto it to where I'm being served it all the time, you know? Lately, my For You page is flooded with stuff about the Gateway Project. It's like this declassified CIA document that talks a lot about like manifestation, astral projection and stuff. And it's just, it's a, it's, it's a lot. Uh, but yeah, I guess to finish out the convo with the Demilios, they faced, I'm trying to think of all the controversy, but the biggest one was that there was a YouTube video they made. Well, they're doing a Hulu reality show, by the way, that I just, I do not know how it will land. Um, I, I think they're like a pretty normal family and they're pretty kind of angsty teenagers that it's going to have to be early Kardashian season levels of hijinks, you know, like, you know, oh, we've put installed a putting green in Kris Jenner's backyard. Let's see how she reacts. <laughs> Remember those, that era? Uh, uh, <laughs> never forget little Kylie and Kendall on the stripper pole. That was that. What a time when they lived in that ranch house. But uh, the they had a YouTube video where their private chef that I guess is a good family friend made snails a la Alyssa. Wait, which one was it? One of the Callaway twins uh, pretending to be Alyssa Callaway. Yeah, it was Amanda Lemon pretending to be Alyssa Callaway when she played Choppin' at the party with Clarice Kensington. And uh, when she ate that slug and was like, this tastes like a balloon. <laughs> I've done that impression so many times <laughs> on this podcast. Um, but yeah, she didn't know she was eating slugs and then she spits it out. Doesn't it? And she puts it in Clarice's champagne glass. Or is that when she puts gum in her hair before she has to get an inverted pixie cut? I forget. Uh, but Dixie had a very poor reaction. She went and like threw up the chef's food because she had a slug. It turned out it was a plant because they knew she'd react because she is very food sensitive. And then Charlie kind of jokingly went, um, like, I want dino nuggets. And then everyone tried to cancel them for being disrespectful to the chef, even though the chef was like, I don't care. They're family friends. This was this was a total setup. And it's kind of unfortunate because Charlie and Dixie, I can visibly see them have uh, disengaged in both content volume and energy toward the app. This is the hard part about mega fame is the hate becomes so loud and the criticism is so severe that everyone who loves you and appreciates you is overshadowed by the people that are the loudest. And um, when vulnerability is is kind of punishable, when you put your life out there and um, 
you know, you just seem to get so much hate and negative feedback. You're like, well, screw you. I'm not going to give anymore. I'm not going to put out anymore. Like, why would I put myself out there only to get negative feedback? I'm not saying that's the right approach, but I do think that's what happens. And people feel like they can't win and blah, blah, blah. And I think for most of the year, Charlie was like so largely impressively unproblematic and uh, well-behaved and carried herself so well on the app and was like fun and light and of age for the most part one of the few times i was like charlie i don't love this for you uh like when the kesha cannonball dance was popular one of my least favorite dance moves in addition to that weird dolphin rabbit um bunny hop thing uh and in addition to the motion of um you know using a mop which is a weird dance move i really hate the one that where they pretend to like eat cereal um and when kesha's cannibal uh the Whenever you tell me I'm pretty, that's when the hunger really hits me. The, the lyrics are, use your finger to stir my tea, and for dessert I'll suck your teeth. But the music cuts off at tea, and it sounds like suck your D. And I remember when I first saw that, I was I was horrified. And I was I was pearl clutching. And you know, I'm not here for the youngster sex shaming. Uh, but I would I it just was so purposefully suggestive. And I was kind of shocked. Heidi let that one fly, but whatever. Heidi did stand strong and not let her do the WAP dance. And you know, don't even get me started on my confusing feelings toward how you talk to young women in a set about sex in a way that is um, realistic and uh, empowering, but not too ahead of their age and allow that allows them to pace themselves, but doesn't also like slut shame them. I feel like the it is I find it's so confusing because I remember being young and feeling like I could handle things ahead of my age that I absolutely couldn't. And I'm glad I was held back from. Um, and I think there are ways to do that that are good. And, you know, it's like my parents never made me feel bad or didn't do anything damaging. But the youth groups I went to and like even my public school um, sex ed was just like so slut shamey and so uh, responsibility solely on the woman and you need to uh, cover yourself up and not act seductive because the male gaze is inevitable the male touch and desire and like they can't control themselves so you have to control how you act to therefore control their behavior you know like that whole thing is what frustrates me um but i can't even get to the broader conversation because i do not know how i would handle this with a kid a teenager i think it's a very confusing conversation and i feel weird because i kind of want them to cover up and act their age sometimes but then i'm like repeating patterns kind of right anyways for another day uh but i do feel like something meaningfully changes charlie's energy level and engagement with the app she just doesn't seem to have as much fun anymore she's just wearing like sweats and kind of half doing dances and she used to like really crush them and i wish i don't know i kind of miss that side of her i just i don't i you know i think you should only do things so long as you're having fun and i think when it becomes obligatory the crowd can read it right and i think they were so over it after that semi-cancellation because of how you know they probably had avoided a lot of missteps throughout the year and then to really uh hit, you know nail in the coffin they went to the bahamas over new years and it's like we're still in a pandemic but that's where I talked about two episodes ago, the, the you know, flaky jury that is social media. It's like this people, it's confusing how some people are doing the exact same behaviors and some influencers are just like absolutely um, taken down for it. And some like nobody cares. It's bizarre. Uh, but anyway, I think I largely have been impressed by both of them. The A year ago on the We Need to Talk episode, I was so critical of Dixie because she was so um, 
unappreciative, <laughs> low energy and disengaged from this platform she was being served up by, by doing nothing. And I think that it was a little frustrating at first, but now I kind of can see a little bit more of it being more of a teenager type of thing and her really just not wanting to seem like she cares that much. And she even said, like, when TikTok first came out, when Charlie first started doing it, I wouldn't get on it because it was not cool. But beyond that, it's like, I don't, women don't need to be bubbly. Women don't, you know, I don't want to force that onto her. I think I just uh, was enamored by a platform that made people famous for being, even being like bad at dancing, like the core competency at the time of the app. Uh, but her and Charlie are beautiful young girls. And uh, I'm sh I feel like their career will continue. At the very least, Dixie will like model and sing. I hope Charlie gets to still dance or find joy in something now that she's fully homeschooled. Uh, but they moved from Connecticut to L.A. full time. They live in a $15 million house, not a 1.5, not a 5, a 15. Where the, the, that's a different level. I don't know if they rented or they bought it, but they kind of moved in between two houses that look utterly the same. They just kind of look like these super modern, uh, like Josh Altman listings. Like there could be backdrops to music videos. Um, and I enjoy following them and I'm, I hope I'm not missing any big scandal or something that I'm overlooking. I know everybody has their own opinions. I'm trying to look at things in aggregate. Uh, I, I kind of like Heidi D'Amelio. I don't know. I, I feel like she does her best and she's made some, I'm sure tough calls about what to allow to post and whatnot, but I do think she's done a pretty good job keeping, um, Charlie, uh, age appropriate and hopefully grounded and confident and um I, there's been rumors lately that the D'Amelios like force their kids to do dances like you can see the shadow of a of a grown man in one of Charlie's recent dancing videos that I assume is her dad Mark and then Heidi um like tugged Charlie in this one video and it zooms in and she kind of grabs her sweater and Charlie fake smiles but I don't know I feel like that that's like a thing parents do to their kids like perk up smile be polite like I don't know. Haven't we all been with our mom at the grocery store being kind of like rude and there you get a little nudge like be polite to this acquaintance we're bumping into at the grocery store. Um, but anyway, I guess that's enough about the Demelias. I'm trying to think if I missed anything else. Uh, but yeah, Dixie and, and Noah seem cute. And even though I really didn't take Noah seriously, he's really grown on me and I did not see that coming. And while as Griffin just seems like, ugh, I'm grossed out by these dudes that I, I can't even imagine being that age at that level of fame and like the, the amount of women that they're constantly around or that want to get famous and like I just could it would be very hard for me to trust uh, anybody in that sort of circumstance. Not that the assumption should be that there there's infidelity, but I just think immature young boys are like the worst. And I had horrible experiences with all of them. And I assume not a lot has changed. <laughs> um, talking a million miles a minute. I do apologize. Uh, I feel like I have a lot to say and I sometimes I want to organize it, but sometimes I'm like, you know what? Uh, uh, let's just chit chat as if we were having a conversation over brunch. Remember brunch? <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Indoor dining just opened in Chicago 25% and I haven't been to a restaurant yet, but needless to say, I am excited to not have to bring my own blanket to eat on a patio during Chicago winter. Uh, but I think that, well, let's talk about some like the trends and celebrities and things that were popular because I think this is so interesting or some of my favorite creators too. Well, I, I think 
we can't not talk about the Bella Porch of it all. I mean, let's look up how many followers she has. So I, I have um, uh, a, a pretty solid confirmation from somebody that saw her there that Bella Porch does live in a hotel, which I think is so interesting. I actually, I'm resisting the urge to like deep dive right now. There's a lot of confusion as if she's 19 or 23. There was confirmation she was 19, but she's a U.S. Navy vet and you have to be 17 to be in the Navy. And the timeline of like her posting about being in the military wouldn't line up with that because that would suggest she was in the Navy when she was 16. Um, so I'm pretty sure she's 23. She's covered in tattoos. Uh, she never is films with anybody else except one time with James Charles with Tyga and when I did that Patreon where um, Legs and I discussed TikTokers, she mentioned she thought that there was a rumor about her having a sex tape with Tyga, but I'm not familiar with that. I need to write that down. I just went to her website. She sells one hoodie for $99 that is sold out. I mean, <laughs> it's the, I don't understand. Like, there's been I've seen different conspiracies about her being like a function of AI and, you know, somehow somebody gleaning the data that her doing that M to the B videos, which is why she took off, would be popular. But I don't see how anybody, machine or otherwise, would have seen that coming. Uh, she's very tiny. I think she's like 4'11". She said that on Twitter. She is Filipina. She's a beautiful girl. She is very, um, she just has this very cute face, very like big eyes and a tiny nose. And she she almost looks like a cartoon character in a sense and got famous for literally like crossing her eyes, scrunching her nose and uh, putting her mouth to the side like Helga Pataki. And uh, this uh, diss track by this British um, person named Millie B who did the song M to the B. And she just like moved her face around and then bobbed her head. And it's still the most popular video on TikTok. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to look it up. Just look up Bella Porch M to the B. It has like 46 million likes millions of comments and shares. I don't even know how many hundreds of millions of views. Uh, it, it's, I, it, it kind of is hypnotizing in a way, but I also, it's just not something that really would stand out to me. And it's so, this is what's confusing about life and content creation and a person that like provides entertainment. I do not know what makes things stick. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like I always talk about the nature of virality being unpredictable. You just, pe people don't always even know themselves why they like something. Uh, but second to Bella Porch's M to the B video was, uh, what's that guy's dog face? Is that what he goes by? That's his handle. Uh, he, you know, understandably, I get why it's endearing to skateboard on a highway, just drinking a full bottle of ocean spray cranberry juice. Um, and I think following that was like Will Smith, wipe it down, men in black, uh, the guy that did like lightsaber special effects, um, Caitlin Riley, who's a really funny comedian that I love doing that. That's a really great point, Diane. <laughs> Talking about her, um, it was like a your coworker on Zoom or something. But anyway, back to Bella Porch. Can I just need to like look into this for two seconds? Um, it's been an hour, and wow, I found okay, found some scoop. But um, gotta I need to do an ad real fast. But also, can I just ask if you, in the off chance you do like this episode, if you want to share it with a friend on your Instagram story, if you're private, send me a screenshot. Like it makes a huge freaking difference. And I'm so grateful to those of you that share or DM me. And I try to get to as many as I can. I just want to thank you guys in advance for 
your enthusiasm, it, it keeps me going. It really does. And it's kind of like a little embarrassing sometimes how much I know about this stuff. And I just can't tell you how grateful I am that other people care about the things I do. I, I, I'm so grateful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know I'm talking about my BFFs over here on TikTok, but uh, drop the R and what do you have? Best Fiends. It is a mobile game, a match three game that I've really been enjoying and I heard a ton about before I started working with the show. But once I tried it myself, it brought back the like 90s gamer in me, the word munchers, dino park, tycoon, like Mavis Beacon teaches typing of it all. And I, I acknowledge that's not a game for some people, but I thought it was a blast. Um, but really, I, I really enjoy playing it again. It's like match three casual gameplay. Courtney and I both love it because it's kind of calming in a sense that like I don't I hate a timed game. They kind of make me anxious and like the whole point is I want to like relax and kind of like not be bored and um, Best Fiends is a it's a casual gameplay. It's not timed. It guides you the whole way through. I d feel like I got the hang of it and it's perfect for like watching TV or waiting for my DoorDash or it has over 100 million downloads. It's a five star rated mobile puzzle game and it's a must play. It, it, you can befriend a cast of fiends who help you solve each level to defeat these slimy but cute slugs. And the fun, like, it doesn't have to end because they're, no joke, are 5,000 puzzle levels. <laughs> Be there in 5,000. Uh, and there's always more updates just around the corner. So don't blame us if you end up kind of obsessed. And if you want to download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play, by all means, please do, because it is a really good time and I think you'll really enjoy it. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. The reason nobody can find anything about Bella Porch's background is because her name's not Bella Porch. This one time she uploaded something in her uh, military like uniform and the name tag said Taylor. Her last name is Taylor, but her first name is not what people think it is. It took me a solid 40 minutes to find all this out, but I did trace it all through family members through Facebook. And um, a lot of ways I can trace stuff is through usernames, looking at past usernames. There's a lot of different like... Uh, ways you can piece things together to ultimately lead to where all roads eventually lead that outs somebody's identity, which is a parent or an in-law's Facebook page, because they don't, <laughs> they so often don't have the privacy settings in place and they so often overpost and you can find out so much about their life, which is crazy. But actually the reason I wanted to research Bella Porch is because um, so much of the dialogue about her is like, who the hell is she? She has like, there's no trace of family. She lives in a hotel. We can't find out anything about her, her in the military, blah, blah, blah. Even the name people think she has is not the ultimate name I found because she doesn't even go by her real name, but nor does she go by that. She now has a fake name. And um, the reason I'm not going into more detail isn't to be coy. It's because I, I just, you never know why somebody uses a fake name in the event it's, you know, due to an abuser or something. But I guess even though her face is completely like worldwide famous, I don't know what that how that would conceal her identity. I guess she's not in hiding, but like I just don't know why she's using a different name and whatever. It's her name's not important. Honestly, I didn't find anything juicy. It's it's not that deep. But rather, uh, instead of out her as this other thing or person, I my point is to clarify because there's so much out there that is like, who is she? Is she a government plant? Is she guerrilla marketing by the U.S. Navy? She's a product of artificial intelligence figuring out what the ideal like visual ASMR is for moving your face. People like have thought there are so many weird rumors about her origin and conspiracy theories. And like she's a person that's like lived in a few different places around the country. 
Texas, Florida, Utah. There's an address that ties back to her Pearl Harbor base. She was in the Navy. She's 23, not 19. Um, and she has a family that I don't know if she's estranged from, uh, but they still post about her. Uh, but it's, things aren't always as they seem, right? And um, yeah, she's just, she's a person that I think literally is very beautiful, made an aesthetically pleasing TikTok uh, that skyrocketed and that somehow made herself incredibly private on the internet. And so nobody knows anything about her and she very seldom talks. So she's kind of created this veil of mystery. And yeah, I don't think there's anything that like crazy there. <laughs> I really think that this just is a place where the most obscure things can thrive and it's not what you typically think it's going to be. And I'd imagine that level of overnight fame is incredibly overwhelming, but she's not without her controversy. I mean, she has like a super offensive tattoo. Um, and there's that rumor of her sex tape with Tyga, but she actually um, did like two truths and a lie. And the three things she put up were did a set, made a sex tape with Tyga. Griffin slid into my DMs. I was adopted. And the lie was the sex tape with Tyga. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, Griffin slid into her DMs, but also the adopted piece. So as far as I can tell, her parents got married in like 2002, 2003. Her mom looks exactly like her and is from the Philippines. Her, uh, what I assume dad, because they have the same last name, is um, American. They got married in the Philippines in like 2002, 2003. And she was born in 1997. I assume since she said she was adopted, she was adopted by her mom's American husband, maybe. I, again, I'm not here to speculate, though. That's exactly what I'm doing. The one thing I don't know is she said she immigrated here when she was 13. I don't know if the timeline adds up there. Um, but, you know, you just never know the nuance of somebody's life story. You can't ascertain everything through, through social media. I'm sure she reveals as much information as she is comfortable. Uh, but I think that if she was wanted to be like totally off the grid, off the map, I would assume she'd lock it down <laughs> amongst her family members that... But here she still has a relationship with. So I don't know. It's hard to tell, but not a shadowy conspiracy. Uh, I think, honestly, just a person that skyrocketed to fame that inexplicably lives in a hotel. Uh, but the weird thing is she shared a famous birthdays article once that said her age was 19. And if I was on like famous birthdays and I was like, hey, guys, look, it's me. And my age was wrong. I'd probably be like, clarification's not my age. But she didn't clarify. But yeah, anyways, I, I, I don't know. All I know is there's a ton of internet fodder trying to figure out who she is and what her deal is. And everybody thinks it's something like deep and dark. And I don't think it is. Um, I mean, it, the name change, I kind of think she might be might have gotten married and maybe isn't anymore. Um, I I don't know, because her Instagram handle up until like the fall, actually, I think was at Mrs. Porch. Maybe that's a married name. I don't really know. But alas, she's you know done a good job keeping things on the DL. And uh, uh, while I don't really I don't follow her that closely, the tattoo thing like was obviously a problem and was upsetting. Um, she has this tattoo that it's like, uh, what's it called? It's the tattoo of the rising sun, like flag. And to Korean people, it's a sign of oppression of Japanese imperialism. When I was reading through uh you know, my news source, Twitter, people were like, it's essentially this, you know, it's comparable to having like Nazi, something like Nazi related tattooed on, you know, I was like, holy shit, that's awful. I, I, I don't know. I wasn't paying super close attention to this at the time, but yeah, that's terrible. And yeah, she claims to not, she claimed to not know it, but like you're inking something on your arm for eternity and you don't research. I don't know. It's just like, 
hard to believe, honestly. But yeah, she apologized and said she had no idea and that it's a common symbol in Hawaii, this like red sunshine with 16 stripes and that she wasn't not. And then she covered it and she said she was scheduling an appointment immediately to get it removed. And I don't know if she actually has, but people weren't satisfied with the apology whatsoever. Um, and then she kind of, I don't know, it, it was kind of a mess. But anyway, I need to move on. I think I'm just general in general not as drawn to like I want people to talk. I want people to engage. I'm not as into the people that never speak and just dance or like do silly movements. It's just not really my vibe. I don't know what her primary fan base is. She sells one hoodie, like I said, on her website for a hundred dollars and it's sold out. So who the hell am I to critique? Um, but yeah, I want I'm interested to see what she does with her career because like she's you could be leveraging this following but i don't really know what she's done specifically i don't know if she's i don't i think she calls herself a navy vet i don't think she's still in the navy but she could really parlay this if she wanted to so long story short hope she gets that tattoo removed uh i don't know why she's living in a hotel uh her content isn't really my vibe but she's popular for a reason and there's absolutely no denying that so like I said, M, M to the B there in five it is. I did try to do some research on the oddly satisfying element of her videos and why they took off the way they did beyond just her being an attractive person with cute features. And there was something to the way the video was taken and that her head remained central and the camera moved that apparently creates an ASMR-like visual experience that's like soothing to the person on the outside. It's almost hypnotic. I didn't, I don't know, I found the response oddly dissatisfying, if you will. I was like, I don't know if I totally understand this. But I also don't really um, vibe with a lot of ASMR. I, uh, you know, I'm here for Frizzin, like uh, goosebumps from music is where I, my sensory response is the strongest. Um, and I have a strong response to smells. But um, when I, he hearing people chew, hearing people monotonously, like, read letters or, um like role play that they're hotel receptionist or going like this. I I just am not, that is not something that my body responds to. I don't have the ASMR type reaction. So maybe I don't have the same one for Bella either. But if I can ever find out a way to make myself a star in the visual ASMR space, you know, I will do it. But I don't think I have the facial symmetry, quite frankly, to pull it off. Anyway, so the most popular video of 2020 was Bella Porch M to the B, followed by Dogface skateboarding with cranberry juice. Then, like I said, uh, it's Caitlin. Hello, uh, co-worker you hate, uh, one working from home on Zoom. Uh, then Jalea Harmon, the rightful creator of the Renegade dance that did not get enough credit, even though Renegade like was a big part of what launched Charlie and Addison into the stratosphere, and I still find that frustrating. I mentioned that in my poem um, because I think it's important. And there's been like a history with TikTok of um stealing dances stealing remixes from black creators not giving them credit a lot of appropriation like it's very important to give credit where credit is due for things like that are art like choreography like music i mean it, it, it's it's a funny thing where like i've shared a ton of tiktoks on instagram and it takes too long sometimes to find people's instagram handle from tiktok and so I'll post the video, but I like that TikTok saves videos with the handle. So if somebody really wants to go, they can. Um, but yeah, if I feel like if I was just ripping off somebody's music or choreography, like I think I would credit them. I just can't, I just don't really get how 
Charlie and Addison crew went for so long without crediting Jalea and they kind of like botched the dance and Jalea's version, original version is like way cooler. But yeah, the third most popular video of last year was her doing, um, uh, doing the dance, the renegade at the NBA all-star game. And then fifth is Will Smith wipes it down. Uh, then, oh my God, I forgot about me pawn Zuzuzu. Zuzu. It's, there's a Russian cereal jingle, uh, that, there was this kind of like llama type character dancing and like red light. And it was like, Meepa, it was just like the weirdest song, but it was kind of satisfying to watch. <laughs> then um, the next one is somebody named Liz. And I'm sure you've seen it. It's a, she does a really cute series of, are they homophones or homonyms where uh, like God is, telling a angel or disciple or somebody to do something to earth but miss uh he misunderstands and this one was um can you like make the dinosaurs meteor but the angel thinks that god said meteor like send a meteor and like kill the dinosaurs there's also one with um the word president and precedent in terms of like a mix-up with it got donald trump in office um, then, of course, I uh, love Tabitha Brown. What a doll. She made carrot bacon. And that was number eight most viewed video. Then somebody named Julian did superhero special effects. And then at uh, uh, Hardy T did a, a video with his goose. You know that song that's like, if I, if I back it up, is it fast enough? It's like, watch me throw it back or whatever. Um, it's literally a goose throwing it back, you know. Again, we—it's not up to us. <laughs> what is popular and what isn't? Um, the top trends were hashtag you have to like you have to start romanticizing your life. I mentioned most of these in my poem, um, or like you have to stop making videos with voice changer effect. The that was huge for a long time. Whether it was at first like very aspirational in a lot of people that you just sit there and ask yourself like how do you afford this lifestyle. <laughs> why are you in the dominican republic during a pandemic um but then uh, you have to stop ended up being funnier because it was basically making fun of a lot of common like current social media tropes and other quirky humor as always the cutest was number two the blinding lights dance that was started by these like suburban dudes and their dad that like everybody did early pandemic when people started incorporating their parents into dances Number three is hashtag two pretty best friends. I don't, I never totally understood this, but it's this guy that's like, I never seen two pretty best friends. One's always got to be ugly. I'm sorry, paraphrasing, botching. Um, and my For You page did not, was not fed this trend at all. And I don't know why. Uh, same with dog face and the cranberry juice. Like I heard about that so late. I, mine feed was flooded with, you know, young women crawling in the ocean like Amanda Seyfried to Mamma Mia's lay all your love on me and I freaking love Mamma Mia I, but I didn't need the crawling I, it's it, it's confusing but it ended up working out because my video of American Girl Dolls doing TikTok dances I Felicity's crawling to Mamma Mia was my favorite um the number five one is uh hashtag random things and this is an originated from one of my favorite TikTok creators and legs and I talked about this on Patreon, her Atlas. She lives in Japan as a teacher and she has a really sweet voice and like uh really calm demeanor. And she kind of just shows you really cool things about Japan. Like I've learned a lot about how they recycle, about kind of the 
uh, mentality of everybody looking out for one another and how like much cooperation there is, uh, how everybody exclusively backs into parking spots, how the vending machines are everywhere and contain really cool stuff. And she walks around and gets hot coffees from vending machines as hand warmers. Uh, she started the trend, things in my Japanese home that just make sense. And that's where this entire trend came. Oh, sorry, random things in my Japanese home that just make sense. And that was birthed this entire trend. Um, of rent, like insert X and Y that just makes sense or this or that that don't make sense. And it was just like very a huge, huge thing in TikTok. And it's interesting that she was the one that made that um, take off. What is hashtag don't leave me? Puns and smiles. I need to look this up. Number seven is I am lost. Remember the uh, audio for I am lost. I'm not doing it, doing it well, but uh you know, it's like you'd put a mouth on a bobby pin. <laughs> it's like lost. It's just really straightforward. <laughs> and of course, uh, that guy Curtis had, I mean, brilliantly released and then capitalized on his hit uh, counter pounding uh, jingle, Bored in the House and I'm in the House Bored, uh, that came out like the very start of quarantine. That's number eight. Number nine is Time Warp Scan. Um, which I never like, I didn't never find that interesting, but it was really popular whether people kind of messed with their faces or put themselves in other photos or whatever. Um, and then 10 was medieval TikTok. And I'm not like, why would I be on pagan, like Norse pagan TikTok, but not medieval TikTok? Uh, but is this the one where a lot of people like tried to put themselves in the Sistine Chapel, but then TikTok came out with a editing capability to actually put yourself in the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? Oh, I just watched the hashtag don't leave me trend. That was number seven. It was cute. It's just puns. It's the a girl like says, what is this? And it's a bill. And then she pulls out an eyelash and says, what is this? It's an eyelash. And she's it's Billie Eilish. And then she runs and her friends say, don't leave me. And then she puts down her phone case and uh, says, I rest my case and then runs. Like, I don't what if to describe these things it's just it, it's, they sound ridiculous but it was it was cute to watch um as far as celebrities on tiktok like i just feel like jason derulo even though i i made an argument earlier that i'm here for the era of allowing people to be extra and just to go for it jason derulo's like editing is just it's it's a lot he has a, like a professional editor that does like all these transitions and it kind of takes from the I don't know. I, I, I don't mind celebrities infiltrating some mediums, but just like podcasts, like everything's like celebrities were embarrassed by Instagram. People like Jennifer Aniston were like, oh, I never and or Jennifer Lawrence swear she's not on it. And I'm like, girl, she told she is. She is. She, that, she, if, if I can tell anything about her is that she definitely lurks. Um, but she's not even publicly on it yet, to be fair. But every celebrity was thought social media was so embarrassing. And then they slowly infiltrated Twitter, slowly inf infiltrated Instagram. Podcasts were embarrassing. Everyone has one. You only basically start one if you're like a bachelor cast off. And now celebrities have podcasts. TikTok was so embarrassing at the beginning of the pandemic. But slowly but surely, everybody got on one. People like JLo are utilizing Charlie D'Amelio's platforms because the reality is it doesn't matter if you like it or not, you agree with it or not, you understand it or not. What's popular is popular. And if you want to reach a particular demographic, you either need to get in or get out. And um, Jason Derulo was one of the early adopters and like befriended all of these um, Gen Zers like Addison was at his house. Taylor Holder was at his house. I don't know if Bella Porch has been to his house, um, but they would hang out at Derulo's in the pandemic. And it bothered me. His girlfriend is stunning, by the way. She's this um, really beautiful blonde curly hair. And she's a model, I believe. But I don't, and now I'm losing her name. Um, 
but I don't really follow Derulo that closely. Uh, he, after the f- popularity of Megan Thee Stallion's song Savage, he came out with Savage Love, which sampled that. And like one of my least favorite dances ever. And that is Savage Love is the number one uh, song of the year on uh, TikTok. Like what? Uh, but he, he's smart to do that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that I like needed his TikTok content always, but sometimes I appreciated it. Uh, Kylie Jenner got on there. I mean, she did a couple iconic things like the patience challenge with Stormy was so adorable when Stormy waited for her to get back before she ate the candy. I tried to do it with Tugboat. He failed miserably. Um, I also, oh, that was, I loved when the Kardashians like sat on a stair and FaceTime people looking at them, American Gothic deadpan, didn't see people's reactions. That was so creative and entertaining. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I don't know who the originator of that is. Um, and when she sang that song, I'm gonna go wasted, you know, uh, and then I was watching a video by Tinks, who's another creator I really enjoy following. More on that later who shared a video of somebody saying they spotted this, like, is it 818 or 808 tequila in the background of Kylie, which I guess is the area code of Calabasas, and they assume that's, like, a tequila Kylie's coming out with, which, you know, that would make sense. Uh, and, wow, long game if she uh, made that tequila video in advance of this. Because uh, I I don't know. I never think of any of the Kardashians as big partiers, really. I always have tried to give them credit. I'm like, of all things they could have dabbled into, they aren't really drug and alcohol people. They kind of stay above, uh, have stayed above like substance abuse trouble, which I don't know for the other trouble they've had in so many other areas. I just kind of think that's interesting. Uh, But not that drinker. I mean, I drink a lot. Not that that's a thing. But I think, I don't know. Kylie's just seemed like an adult since she was a teenager and had a child very young. So I don't know how much she parties, but I was always under the suspicion that in the Jordan Woods best friendship era, they partied a lot more than they let on. Um, And yeah, I don't know what her and Stassi baby are up to, but um, that was made me laugh when the comments by celebs interview I did in December, I was like, do you think she's just waiting to like, this all comes crumbling down. They're like, oh, she is not messing up. Stassi baby knows better. And I just thought it was funny. I was like, you're honestly right. Uh, Jordan Woods had to learn the hard way. But I saw her Jordan on TikTok recently and she seems to be thriving and I'm happy for her. I really do feel badly. The world came down a bit too hard on her and with a lot less accountability on Tristan. Uh, and that, that is why therefore I have no interest in Chloe and Tristan. Like I just, it's, you know, I, 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 we fought for you, Chloe. Like we, we defended you. All the things. And I understand, uh, you know, your daughter's father is he that is him. And I understand he took care of you when you had COVID. I watched the episode. I just I I just it, it would be so hard for me to ever um, kind of regain an ounce of respect for somebody who was cheating on me like while I was crowning. I mean, like he just was so that it, it's disrespect to a core level that I just think is so character driven and less like one off people make mistakes, you know. I just, I, yeah, I felt badly for her, but I think they are engaged now, right? I say I don't care as I talk about it. Um, but yeah, and then Kylie also had, did she have anything else? I forget. So she was pretty active. Um, Lizzo is outstanding on TikTok. Charlie Puth does like really fun back and forth duet type things. Um, there's this other singer that I love following named Christy Lee that I'll kind of will do out with Charlie Puth a lot. And I think it's pretty funny. 
Um, who else is on there? I remember when Howie Mandel, people thought he was being held captive. Like his content was so bad and made so little sense. It was it was disturbing. And, you know, your content is bad when the only reasonable conclusion a person can draw draw is that you, you're being held against your will. And that's why you're making such god awful content. Um, Dr. Phil's on Jack Black. I mean, there's celebrities that are more active than others, but um, allegedly those are the most uh, prevalent. I go through the people I I like and follow and tell you about them. Does anybody care? Uh, oh, yeah. Back to Tinks. I, I kind of want her to come on the podcast if she wants to. I just think she's really interesting. She grew up in London, has an American accent. I think her parents are American. She went to Stanford. She's like a sorority gal. Moved to San Francisco. Worked in retail. Then went to Parsons, I think, or journalism school maybe. And... Um, I don't know, worked her way through different jobs and now freelances and lives in L.A. And I was like the most fabulous life. And she's one of those people that like, I don't know if it's because she's self-aware, wears a mask and she's not. I mean, she just seems like a really normal, relatable person. And it's really fun to follow along on her life. And she's very confessional and how she's feeling and her mental health and um, her being in love with her friend. Like I watched her cry as she told her friend that she loved him and he didn't love her back. And I mean, but then all the while I'm like, you're traveling to the Dominican Republic and you're bopping around. And it's, it, she's one of the people that the pandemic doesn't like seem to affect, but she doesn't enrage me as much as other people, which is why I explained the very flaky judge and jury that exists within social media. Cause I, I never, I don't know that I have like a fair system for gauging, um, you know, who is or isn't more guilty than the other. A lot of people traveled a lot. And I think the ones that, uh, appeared to not just weren't telling you but I think by and large I think uh, creators like Tink or Tinks are interesting because it's less about creating these highly curated um, highly visual like dances or transitions or just doing trends she just kind of logs her life and it's it's very fun because you feel vicariously like you're in LA eating sushi all the time uh, she gets sent I don't really kn know job wise what she does now I don't know how family money is incorporated. Obviously, she's wealthy. Or she has like a crash pad in Tribeca that's like halfway between her and her parents in London. I don't think she's been able to see her family because of the pandemic because they're overseas, which sucks. But it was fun following her in New York. I don't know. Um, I think that my in my you know in my dream world. I could live in a place like L.A. and just wear expensive jorts and, you know, dine al fresco, hit up Soho House, Malibu, Nobu Malibu, <laughs> you know, uh, kill time at Erewhon. I, the, the, the picture of L.A. she paints have been enough and I've <laughs> to know that it would not be my reality there probably. And it's like not that simple. And really, there's just a lot of driving and traffic in L.A. and like. I feel like everywhere she dines and hangs out is so dreamy and not of all of L.A. looks like that. But she kind of has that almost Hills-esque version, early uh, aughts, Southern California, you know, glamorization phase in America where everything just seems so beachy and breezy and bright and sushi and health food and, you know, chopped salad -y that you're like, God, I want this lifestyle. But I just every time I visit there, I'm like, I don't think it do people actually I don't think people actually live like this. <laughs> um, I, I like LA though. I, people are pretty hard on it. I think LA, like, it's not that I couldn't live there because it sucks. It's that I would feel so badly about myself for different reasons, or I couldn't like offer enough to people that I'm sure I would just 
slowly drown in a puddle of my own insecurity that I would blame on the city. I tend to do that. I'm like, oh my God, that place sucks. But like I had a bad hangover there, you know, and didn't really sightsee. And so it's not totally fair that I'm like, Prague blows. Like pretty sure it's a medieval city that has a lot to offer. (laughs) But anyway, what were the other fun trends? I mean, there's so many dances that have been so... It's I, I almost want to do a challenge of where you play the beginning of a TikTok song. And I even though I've never actually learned the dance, I see if I could tell you the core movements <laughs> because I, there's lyrics and movements that are, you know, are immortalized in my head that I want to hear songs on the radio. I'm like, why do I know this? I didn't I've done some dances um, just like for fun when I was bored during quarantine. And I don't know. It's nice to not take yourself so seriously all the time. Uh but I also, I, I my tic, I have to take down a ton of TikTok videos. D- TikTok deletes my sound all the time. And I think what happens is I will just, since I'll make the video a draft and then save it and then post it so I can watch it through first, I'm, I'm too nervous to just cold turkey post. I always forget to put back the original sound. And I think they're on high alert for people uploading music as original sounds, but also random stuff that I don't even know why it would get taken down goes mute. And it's kind of frustrating, but... And sometimes I'll make stuff that I think is going to land better on Instagram and then take it off of TikTok. But anyway, I play around with what I keep up all the time. Like I uh, archive or unarchive stuff from my nine block all the time, depending on like if I don't know, there's some partnership or thing that I want to look like I'm not like a meme account. I'll delete like Kim and Kanye, how the West was fun, the meme thing I made when they announced their or alleged divorce. Or, um, like, sometimes I'll take down some of the content I made from Michigan because it doesn't match my other stuff, but I want the coupon code to be up there. So you have to go, like, to IGTV. Anyway, I think people are funny about, you know, people follow or unfollow or delete things or not. There's a million reasons why I archive things all the time. And it's just because I want to play around with kind of what people see when they come to your front page of Insta, right? Um Let's see here. What were other fun trends? I think that uh, obviously like the biggest thing ever was WAP. I never got into pancake cereal, but people seem to love that. I do love skincare by Hiram. (laughs) I've learned a lot from him. Is he a dermatologist? I need to look into his credentials because if you have, if you even, uh, you know, mention the skin, skincare, any product, anything, people are on you in the comments about skincare by Hiram. Uh, I love Michaela, this Boston-based makeup artist. I really got to find these. Um, Michaela Makeup Boston. I want to tell you the handles. Uh, Michaela J, at Michaela J Makeup is a doll. And I just, I want good things for her. And she wants to fall in love. And she shows us her makeup when she goes on dates. And she got her own apartment for the first time. And TikTok changed her life. And she's so grateful. And I just... I want good things for people like her. I think she's really sweet. And she has the strongest Boston accent, and it's it's so good. Uh, rare aesthetics are fun. I was thinking of a rare aesthetic recently. What was it? Oh, your parents leaving you money for pizza. <laughs> your parents would have plans, and you were old enough to stay home, and they leave you money for pizza. That's like this feeling of, I get butterflies thinking about it. It's like, oh, my God, I can watch whatever I want on TV. I can have soda. I'm going to order pizza. I'm going to call I, like a real adult and uh, get the absolute most out of this $20 bill that a person ever has at a Domino's. 
the episode I did that was one of the more popular episodes last year called Destiny's Inner Child that where I kind of went through my own main character moments as I talked about that was inspired from a TikTok called Being the Main Character from this creator that's so funny. Um, I need to tell you her name too. Her name's Yasmin Sahid. And uh, she does really good main characters. I'm also obsessed with this other Gen Z. Oh, sorry. It's Lady Yasmina One is her handle. Um, if, <laughs> I need to. Ugh, if, if and when I listen back through this, I need to write down all the people I mentioned. Um, it just it takes a while to log this stuff uh, and to link it. But I, I either maybe I'll do it on the app. Be there in five podcast account like I did for the first one. Um, and I love another Gen, uh, Gen Z. She's the one that did this video that actually I was looking for it yesterday. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I'm the caption is when no one blank Gen Z when something is funny. This is how they sound. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I'm literally screaming. Like I'm actually levitating. That's so funny. I'm melting. I'm about to spontaneously combust. Like I'm evaporating. <laughs> like I'm asexually reproducing. <laughs> People are clever. And she also has a lot of videos where she says, okay, this really certain way, like, okay. And it's really funny. Um, I forgot I was talking about trends, but let me just play a video of Michaela talking. Uh, so you know what I'm talking about, because I want you to follow her. She's so cute. T-minus three hours until my date. Nails are done. Makeup, most important part. When I do makeup for a date, I'm using my best shit. This is the makeup I cannot live without. It never fails me. My look is going to match my dress, and I want it to bring out my eyes. We're priming with Tatcha Dewey Serum and Elf Mint Melt. Best combination. Elf Mint Melt is better than um, Milk Hydro I just, I think the same thing with Tinks. It's like, I appreciate people that are regular people in the field of life who weren't pursuing celebrity and who are vulnerable. I mean, vul like with that comes a lot of criticism and negativity and you aren't vulnerable because you expect a positive outcome. You're vulnerable despite there not being a guarantee of a positive outcome, which I always try to remember like to appreciate people that are putting themselves out there on the internet. Cause I know I kind of back down a lot too from sharing stuff. Cause I get afraid. Um, but I appreciate people that, uh, I don't know. Or, or, or I just think she's really sweet. Uh, back, I'll, I'll tell you more of the people that I follow. And then I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to try to list them in the at be there in five podcast account. I think I'm gonna, what I'm going to do over the next couple of days is share videos from the people I talked about. Uh, because the only other highlight I think I have on that account is from my first we need to talk episode. Uh, I really like the uh, trend of like, I'm not going to do it. Uh, and also, um, like, how will they know? Uh, there's a lot of funny videos about, like, nobody finding out about something. Um, I mentioned in my poem how impressed I was by that. There's this one girl that roller skated to Jenny from the block that single-handedly changed the fate of roller skating in America. Uh, I don't remember her name, but I think if you're a talk fan, you know what I'm talking about. I thought the euphoria makeup trend was really cool when people would fall and there would be, like, purple lighting and still don't know my name would play. Uh, but it's, I'm like, how do you do euphoria makeup? Much less those tra transitions. Do you have somebody in your house filming this above you? Do you just have a really stable hand? I, I could, I just am not, I, my husband and I are not a content couple, never will be. He'd do it if I asked him, but I wouldn't be, I'd feel, I, I, there's a level of shamelessness that content creation takes that 
some people in like I can do it with my sister with Courtney um Greg is supportive but like I think what the it's more of a function of is the other person also on the same platforms and like understanding what you're doing because it looks really bizarre otherwise <laughs> um the Ratatouille musical, I think, you know, the Bridgerton musical. Ratatouille first, though, being like just kind of showing the amazing power of crowdsourced unknown talent. Uh, the, the mobilization of of composers, of voiceover talent, of, um, you know, lyrical geniuses, of dancers, of choreographers, of stage design. Uh, I mean, watching that come together was really cool. And it didn't hit my for you page till a little bit later, but I'll always appreciate it. And I think so fondly of the music because it almost started out as a joke because what the lyrics um, <laughs> to this, the Remy song, uh, Remy, the Ratatouille, the rat of all my dreams. I praise you. My Ratatouille made the world remember your name. It kind of is a joke because those lyrics are ridiculous, but then it's stuck as the grand finale. And I just, I love it so much. I'm so interested in like the intellectual property and the, the Disney adaptation. Like Disney, I actually never saw it, but they made some makeshift form of the musical for charity, which is cool. But it is a confusing thing where if you're making a musical off of uh, somebody else's copyrighted works, uh, you put all this effort into composing and lyrics and doing this whole thing, yet you don't actually own the IP to the thing it's about. So then does the person who owns the intellectual property own any derivative works that you make in its name? Or can you get in trouble for that? It's all really interesting to me. But I think in this past few weeks, especially with the Bridgerton musical, I didn't finish the series yet. So I don't really understand what it meant. But I like watching because I like that composer, Emily. She I followed her a long time ago because she can play stuff from you like name something and she just plays it and i just find people like that really impressive with music but she is i think juilliard level i think she's a juilliard level pianist i don't know if i'm making that up um but anyway uh i appreciate the talent involved but i do think it's one of those things where like okay another tiktok phenomenon olivia rodrigo's driver's license um great song people were so into the teenage drama tiktok was a big reason of why it took off and immediately people were remixing it and writing different POVs from the guy's perspective, from the blonde girl's perspective, from the DMV's perspective, from the car's perspective, from the mom's perspective, from her future self. And at a point it's like, can we just let art be good and breathe and not remix it and rewrite it? Because if I were the person, you know, the artist, I'd kind of be like, geez, instead of enjoying the actual song, the hype's all going to these rewrites that are taking my melody and completely changing the lyrics or making them better. And I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't know how that would feel. Um, but it's at least driving engagement for the song, which is cool. But I feel like Driver's License and Bridgerton were examples of things that kind of took off with this spinoff art remixing and, um, uh and kind of th this derivative work that's cool but I, you barely get a chance to enjoy the original and it's kind of interesting driver's license drama was an interesting thing too where people were very enamored by it but i kind of lost engagement because olivia rodrigo dr wrote driver's license last summer the original lyrics are about a brunette girl not a blonde girl and then um the dude releases lie 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 his single but according to instagram that was written in 2019 outside of he and Olivia's timeline. And then she, Olivia changes the lyrics to Blonde Girl. And then Sabrina also comes out with that song uh, that's very much directed toward her. Like, you really 
want to get under my skin while he's on my skin or something. Uh, yeah, we're doing a great recap here. I don't know. I just kind of lost interest. It all seemed very contrived, you know, to quote High School Musical. It would appear they're all in this together. And the name of a show, High School Musical, the musical, the series, is so ridiculous. I will never get past that. It is a high barrier to entry for me to be interested in this uh, situation whatsoever. Uh, what were some other big trends of 2020 I wanted to talk about? I mean, I don't need to talk about anything. And also, I know I'm talking a million miles a minute. But what I do is I will talk kind of fast, pause, but then I'll cut out any pause. I, call, I will do sound filters that cut out breaths so i sound more maniac than i actually am in real life just a heads up um i had a joke in my poem that i took out because i didn't have i didn't want to spend that much time on it because i don't know i didn't know if it would be annoying or not but i was trying to like wordsmith something about tiktok being wholesome to the core not just cottage and how I the other core plan was people would pretend to bite into like a martinelli's apple juice and i just didn't, didn't need that in my life um, I kind of hate when people, I, I like makeup before and after type transformations, but I don't like when people frame it as a catfish or something as if their natural face isn't good enough, you know? Um, I, I really, 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 really hate spouse pranks. Um, whether it's lip filler, whether it's pretending you made a huge purchase, whether it's pretending to be an influencer and everybody's asking me about, whether it's walking in and flashing them, whether it's bending over in those Amazon leggings, which yes, I did buy, and I have been waiting four to six weeks to get them. And I know I should not be supporting fast fashion, but I'd be lying if I wasn't curious. I don't know if I'd realistically ever wear bunch crack leggings around town, um, but I just want to see if the magic really exists. I mean, what am I going to do? Uh, but yeah, the the prank couples kill me. There's two two you know pretty well-known offenders i'd say in my demographic that would be the scott family and mike and cat now mike and cat famously uh were the the nexus of the entire childless millennial series because i watched a video a series of videos but the first one was um cat who's this beautiful woman and she's very sweet and she can be funny and um it's nothing personal i don't know them it's just the style of prank at times just panders to these, uh, I don't know, very kind of old school misogynistic tropes that bother me at times. And I think as a person that's always kind of watching people who have kids on the internet because I just don't know how I'd fare and I worry about my own mental health, especially when mom seems so exhausted and exasperated and there's all these jokes about you'll never sleep again. You know, we talked about it during the episode Childless Millennial. But the video I saw that just drove me crazy, it was... Um, cat putting on like makeup at the sink and her husband walks up and is like let me just play it for you hold on wow they have four and a half million followers uh, holy crap you guys see this is why it doesn't matter i can talk all i want they're popular this is what the people want um early on the pranks were cringy lately i feel like she's been um fun but that's the thing with life. We don't like everything a person does. Uh, you know? <laughs> I just think I don't like the mom ones that make it seem like a woman is just like being held hostage in her own home and doesn't get to leave. I'm like, or when people suggest their husband's babysitting, I'm like, they're your kid. How about you offer that your wife who works hard and birthed your child and has another job offered that she can you can watch the kid and she can go out when she needs to like i just it kind of normalizes a very unhealthy 
um, balance and a very low expectation for our partners that I just don't love seeing perpetuated. And the thing is, though, I, it's not that I don't have a sense of humor. Like, I don't know. Uh, but it just, you know, different things uh, trigger us at different times, I suppose. Where is this video? Oh, 41.7 million views. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. How are you? Good. Good? Hey, let's go shopping. I'll go shopping? Shopping. We have a baby. No, your mom will be here in 30 minutes. Got a babysitter. All lined up. We're going to go to Home Goods. Then we're going to go to Target. Sounds good? So far, yeah? She's like, her jaw's go open. Pedicures after? <laughs> what? Yeah, let's get pedicures. Yeah? Oh, eyeliner. Away. What? And then we'll go uh, get brunch. You want brunch? We'll go to First Watch. Yeah, we'll get some pancakes. She just said mimosas at yeah, First syrup Watch. On them. Syrup? Maybe I some, mean, uh, biscuits. Oh, yeah. She's like getting off. Uh, whatever you want to do. Sit yeah. in then. Chick fil A. We'll get a peach milkshake. Peach milkshake? Yeah, peach milkshake. Ready? You want to go? Wait, really? Yeah, let's go. Yeah! I mean, it's cute, and that seems, you need to watch it. It seems innocuous listening to it, but, like, she's putting on makeup. She Her jaw drops. She gets more and more excited. He starts talking to her like a dog, offering her very basic things like syrup, and also, do people get mimosas at a first watch? Um, and then the, she squeals and has a meltdown of her Chick-fil-A milkshake, and trust me, we're in a pandemic. Being a parent is hard. A lot of people are doing digital, like, you know, whatever, virtual schooling. She actually, they have an infant, so not them, but... I, like, trust me, I, I get excited for regular things, too. Are you kidding me? I, I beam ear to ear, you know, in my two, three time a week trip to home goods. Uh, I never buy, I, I buy things sometimes. I buy a lot of um, sour belts, like candy. I buy a lot of candles. I buy different shaped wine glasses. Drives my husband crazy. I like to snark at the Ray Dunn aisle. Um, I buy a lot of dog toys, but I don't live far from a home goods, so I peruse often. I get excited, too. I, I really genuinely get it. But let me find another video to give you, like, better um, context. This is one. Actually, these don't work on the ears. Just look up Mike and Cat. Sometimes it's cute and fun. Sometimes it's, like, just I'm worried they hate each other. I, I, I again, I'm not, like, humorless. Um, but I think maybe I get frustrated when the stuff that's popular is just really unfavorable to women. Uh there's another prank couple, the Scott family, and like, let me just play you audio. I don't know if you'll be able to tell, but like, they're a cute couple. Somebody on Instagram one, at one point said they went to high school with them and they're nice people. And I believe that. I have no doubt that I'm sure a lot of people are lovely, but I'm speaking about their content, which is the way they make money. Uh, and if I am allowed to comment on their craft, um, what drives me nuts about TikTok and husband pranks is that I think a lot of people stage them and their husbands are very aware of what's happening and the bad acting is really difficult to watch and it's very cringy uh and beyond that it's always like it's almost okay it's like on the one hand i complain when things fall into kind of sexist tropes that are in favor of the men and man and not the woman and whatever but the ones where the dude looks too good i'm so suspicious of and are so staged to me like let me find an example of like, this is a person pretend asking her husband if he's ready for a date that she, as if she planned it and he forgot in his reaction. Hey, babe. I'm ready. Oh, wow. You look amazing. Thanks. Where are you going? <laughs> babe, you should be your date me on a date. 
A date? A date. I said this. Yes, you said a full day planned by yours truly. When did I say exactly this? <laughs> Last night. Of course. Um, give me one second. <laughs> I'm going to be getting ready right now. And um, <laughs> I'll meet you in the car. It's just so fake. It's so fake. It's so fake. In real life, if that happened, you'd have like a conversation and be like, wait, you just be like, I'm so sorry. When did we, you you get into it, right? You wouldn't be like so too scared to admit to your wife you made a mistake and that, you know, she's gaslighting you. And you would just like slowly crawl away till you go upstairs to change and meet in the car for a day you don't even know was planned into places you don't know you're going. Like it just would never happen that way. I'm so annoying. I just get so frustrated. Oh gosh, you know what the most triggering I, I, th- th- this was a trend I just do not understand. I'm the alpha, I'm the leader, I'm the one to trust. Together we do whatever it takes, we're in this pack for life. I just, from a tactile perspective, I struggle with the people scratching the rug. Um, and the origin of that trend is kind of obscure. Um... And the alpha, I'm the, we run the night. Uh, it's from the movie Zombies 2. You know, I've, I don't even think I've seen Zombies 1, but this is what I mean. You just never know where trends are going to come from. Okay, I promise I'll get off of Couples Pranks. And actually, I'm almost done. Oh my God, babe, I feel like you've been super moody lately. This is her surprising her husband, like wearing a dress, just like a dress. Good morning. <laughs> Holy cow, you look good. The, the, it's one of those things where the like he's he's he Zach Morris did a spit take like as she walks out, takes a gulp of water, does a spit take, and like there's so many of these where like like grab the woman and take her to the bedroom and blah, blah blah which is like cute if it's real but i just don't think it's real and then i don't want other people to feel bad if they're in very healthy relationships but they don't the optics of this nonsense is making them feel like they're disproportionately loved when it's just not the case if anything the couples doing this stuff for show is like deeply sad to me i, I don't think all of them are bad or anything i'm sometimes it's cute it's just that the bad acting i just think is so obscure or the like begging the husband to go shopping or beg for a baby or anything that's just like one person strong arm the other for the things they want not caring about uh, whatever you, I, I get too caught up in all of this uh nonsense that i've been wearing my boyfriend just bought me this shirt and i boyfriend what abby we took a vow okay <laughs> we took vows i am your husband oh my god husband let me spell it out. H U S P A N D. Husband. Do not post that. My hair looks like Kate plus eight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, sorry. I'm so hung up on this. Uh, 
it was a prank like calling my husband my boyfriend and it, and honestly it can, it, these can be funny if they're real but this guy like he's just acting he calls himself the king of sass it's just i don't get it i don't get it i don't get it okay i just came back because i just talked for 25 more minutes and went through all the accounts i like following you know more individual trends but it's it's slow and it's dragging and it just it doesn't need i don't need to make this episode two and a half hours so um if you like want to hear me, it, that it's insular, insular tick talk. Uh, if you want to hear, just go to patreon.com slash be there in five. Sometimes I try to put up surplus episode footage from there. If you want to talk more, I will put that up. Uh, it's already done. So hopefully by tomorrow morning, if for some reason you want to hear more. But uh, yeah, it's more detail on like who I like to follow and why. And also I kind of started to feel bad because I was... You know, it's sometimes I forget here I'm in a public forum and I just want to like gab with a gal pal and, you know, not talk shit necessarily, but yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's hard not to it's hard not to go in. I also actually didn't get to even get to go through my favorites. So maybe I'll add that to it, too. Uh, the only thing we didn't really talk about is like the phenomenon of uh, name a video that lives in your head rent free or the girl that asks What's your favorite celebrity interview moment? And she also asked, what's your favorite actual rich person behavior? But I can't go do those videos because then I just spend forever trying to figure out who the rich person's parents are. Um, but I think it's so fascinating that those people like ask a question that gets stitched for the, the couple months now. And they, I think the Jess, the mess girl in the red sweater who asked the video that lives rent free, I think has 60 some thousand followers. The girl that asked about celebrity interviews has a hundred some. It's actually not that easy anymore to get TikTok followers. On the one hand, I love a meritocracy in a sense where if you really find something that breaks through and are consistent, I think you can find success on TikTok. Other mediums don't um, have an explore process that's as user friendly and is that that is so central to the app like TikTok. You kind of already have to be following somebody to see their stuff and hope your followers circulate it. But TikTok's great because it doesn't really matter. Um, it, I think it pays most attention to likes, comments, a number of views, and also how often people copy, hit that arrow button, copy the link, uh, share a message, whatever it is. Uh, but besides that, I think that TikTok's definitely harder than it once was. And I think I just always think through my navigational behavior and what would make me actually follow. And I think that, you know, like for part two used to be the trick, but that's so annoying now. Um, so I don't really know what it takes, but the good part is once somebody's following, it's kind of hard to unfollow because they're not really in your way like on other mediums because the following tab, I'd argue, is secondary to the For You page. So you kind of forget who you're even following like I just did. When I was going through, I was like, wait, who are these people? <laughs> Must have been some hot resin content I couldn't resist. Uh, I'm at 18,000 followers now. I posted my first video. It was a Taylor Swift mashup when I started trying to get people interested in the app um, a year ago. And yeah, I mean, I feel like I've posted pretty consistently. A lot of stuff's gotten taken down because I didn't care about it anymore or it's um, the audio's not there. My biggest video, I think, is at 540,000 views. And that's at least that's where I got my first 10,000. Um, but then like I oh, I one of my favorite trends was uh it was a cultural reset for the full house bedroom after Kelly Bear and I did the um, Mary-Kate and Ashley deep dive on Patreon. And then, oh, my Hamilton video. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That I talked about Eliza, the Hamilton being about Eliza. And then I, Courtney got Google alerts that I was in like Elle magazine, all these big outlets that were like, Kate Kennedy says that Eliza. And it's like, what? I didn't talk to anybody. They just quoted my TikTok. And 
that it's like when I was quoted in the New York Times about Ariel Charnas because of an Instagram story I'd said a week ago that somebody recorded and put it on on Twitter. You you really do have to be careful what you say on these things. Hence why I save some stuff for Patreon sometimes because at the end of the day I support people putting themselves out there. I really do want to support creators. I don't want to minimize or uh, trivialize the role of an influencer because they obviously keep me entertained. And while well, it's semi pathetic that I know so much about these people, it's kind of the yearbook staffer in me if I'm honest. I like knowing who people are and who they're with and what they've done and keeping tabs on people that are part of the zeitgeist because you just never know who's going to become an important figure. And I, I think people like Charlie and Addison will probably stick around. I don't know about all the others, but honestly, I just think it's great that in this really depressing year, we had another means of connection uh, that doesn't kind of, I, I don't feel as sapped of joy on TikTok as I do on like an Instagram. I think Instagram, I feel a little bit more like I'm sizing myself up or I can't compete or people's lives are more curated and on TikTok. Like most people are younger than me. It's inarguable if you can dance better or sing better than me. Like I'm not threatened. I'm excited for you. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes it's nice to be exposed to different subcultures, groups, comedy talents that you might not pursue yourself. And that's what I love about the For You page and that I think is special about the medium. And yeah, obviously I could talk about this forever. So anyways, I, I hope we covered enough territory. <laughs> Again, I know I was speaking rapid fire here, but I uh, had a lot to say. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Patreon.com to hear my sister and I's heart to heart about careers, about her getting laid off and, you know, amidst the quarantine a couple times. And we also talk a lot about how, like, I how you classify yourself as smart or not. And however, since I was in a talented, was not in a talented and gifted class and my friends were, I was like, okay, cool. So I'm not smart. This is the hand I've been dealt in life moving on and then I never really thought about that till like two weeks ago and how that really framed the way I thought about myself uh and we talk about how weird it is to choose your career at a young age and who you listen to and what guides your path and we had a career night uh powerpoint that you can now watch the playback of three of them because one of them couldn't be recorded because it's a government job um and uh it was really I don't know I'm just fascinated by how we pick these careers they have really long trajectories you get in them and you don't even know if you like them until you're like on year 10 it's really fascinating and then here i have this like token millennial follow your dreams career that i have like so much unrest with and it's like so hard to stay interesting and popular and to like i don't know it, you always have to be like outdoing yourself in a sense to have something really go off or go viral or have meaningful growth otherwise you kind of crawl along and in the absence of live shows, I've been really like struggling to, because not that I need the performative aspect, but it's like important to me to connect with people. And sometimes it's hard to feel like this is real when I'm not kind of out there getting to um, interact with you guys, you know, that was a really special thing. But anyway, it's okay. Anyway, I say all that because that, those are the types of topics we cover on that Patreon. And um, yeah. Coming up next month, I'll have some guests, little this, little that. I'm excited. I am so grateful you're here. I hope you'll come back if you're new. My popular series are definitely like the um, episodes I did crowdsource stories about bridesmaids called Bride Tribe. Not appropriative, but making fun of people that call themselves a Bride Tribe. Uh, sorority stories, Mormon mommy bloggers did a purity deep dive called True Love Waits. Talk about my indecisiveness as it relates to having kids and childless millennial. Um... I did a deep dive on the Call Her Daddy podcast drama last year on Free Britney. There's all sorts of fun stuff. So if you want to check it out, I'd love that. Uh, follow Be There in 5, Be There in 5 podcast. And it's just been nice talking to you and talking. 
with you. And uh, thank you for caring about the same things I do. It makes me feel less alone. There are a lot of people that are really not into TikTok and it is deeply embarrassing how much I know and that I had to actively leave a lot out of this discussion because I still somehow had more to say. God bless you. Love you so much. Hope you have a wonderful week. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear.